0: Thanks, everyone, for checking out the Storage View podcast. Today, we've got an interesting conversation about to happen on uh, deleting data. And that's a concept that not many people or organizations are too familiar with. So Dr. Burke, how did you get into this notion of uh, people should be deleting data?
1: <laughs> well, it's actually an interesting point, right? So I spent, uh, I spent most of my career in cybersecurity. And if you're doing cybersecurity cleanup, the question always is, well, what was this data doing here to begin with? Why wasn't it properly protected? Who had access to it? Oh, we had forgotten there was an API that was open, right? So when um, when I was asked um, what my predictions were for 2023, I was like, you know, I'm starting to see a lot of organizations are doing some downsizing. There's probably some groups that are gonna get um, well, uh, downsized. And right. generally what then ends up happening is that who's taking care of the data that's left behind that was collected, right? So we're mm-hmm. going to see some more, some more data exposures. And so I figured one of the things that we're going to see in 2023 is organizations taking a better look at or a deeper thought about what data they actually keep and whether or not data is actually a liability as opposed to an asset.
0: So it's funny when... Um... When your team reached out, I had to go back and think really hard about the last time somebody was pitching data deletion. And I know it was uh, Symantec, and I think it was around 2015 was the last time that we got pitched a uh, a data deletion message. Now, we'll get it every now and then from a compliance angle, and we can get into that uh, but that's more of a legal protection than you know, really being worried about the data. The data is sort of a, you know, a side effect of, of that legal apparatus. Um, but back then, Symantec was talking about it like, look, organizations, you're backing up all this data. You've got copies of it. You've got all these things going on. Uh, and some of it may be harmful for you to retain. And you know, that's a little bit about some of what you're talking about from the from the risk profile perspective uh, but it's been ages it's it's a little counter I mean you're not a storage guy so this is this is good but it, it's very counter to the industry that's that's grown on selling you you know more space for your bits uh, and it's also counter to the message that we're getting from all the acceleration guys like Nvidia saying you never want to delete anything because now you can train your models on more data for AI and ML uh, There's got to be a happy medium somewhere, though. What What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so that's the there's um uh there's a hidden promise in data, right? So I actually it's interesting you should say that because I've been following the NVIDIA work um with great interest. So I have a I have a PhD in machine learning, and one thing that and I but that's from a time when sort of the cloud wasn't actually a thing yet, right? So the problem always was how do you get enough data to train a model reliably? And, and nobody was all that interested in, in machine learning back then, which is kind of how I ended up in cybersecurity. And then the cloud started happening. And then what that meant is that a lot of software wasn't necessarily running sort of on the desktop anymore. Software could run you know, in a centralized location, which means all of a sudden you can collect a lot of data about how people are acting, how people are interacting, What they write what they're interested in and so all of a sudden it's like okay well this is making modeling possible and if you're able to model you're probably able to monetize that so there is sort of this this explosion of the belief that if you hold data there's an enormous amount of value to be mined in that data but even if we can't mine it today we might be able to mine that in the future right? right and so it gets you into the sort of like well if i throw it away i'll never be able to mine it so as might as well keep it storage is cheap right so that's kind of i think that's where that kind of got its start right and and it, it the difficulty with it is is that a lot of data as you were indicating if it does get exposed and a lot of it is getting exposed could actually be really harmful to the organization right and so how do you realize or how do we weigh that sort of hidden promise in the data if you will against the risk of the liability of the loss of that data what can we learn from data in the future and how valuable is that
0: well i guess so in your background in machine learning if i'm modeling uh i don't know i hesitate to even you know give a specific model but if i just pick any model is there a point of diminishing returns then is that what you're suggesting that if i've got three years of data that the fourth year is not going to get me that much more in terms of value to, to train
1: well sure uh, that that could be true there could also be changing patterns through the years and you know that I mean we can debate so it, it depends really more on what you want to do with the data but I think I think that there's a uh, you know th- there's a difference here right like if I'm collecting for instance certain medical Uh, efficacy data right like you have a medication you're applying it to people and that you know you want a really really big body of data so that you make sure you don't make any mistakes with that right because you know well you're you're handing out meds right Mm -hmm. um versus a lot of um data that might be um right so there's a very specific purpose to the data that i'm collecting there right versus the concept of well I have a lot of shoppers or, you know, social networks are a great example of that, right? A lot of the value of the social network was in the, well, there must be value to be had in understanding how a social network sticks together and how trends and things become popular, how things go viral, and maybe we can influence that. And then there is an advertising value to that. Now, I think that we're seeing slowly that, you know, although some value has been certainly found there, it's not at all living up to the promise right so a lot of this data i would argue has been collected under the premise of we'll find a way to make it useful in the future even if we don't see it today so let's just not throw it away for the time being right
0: so what you're suggesting then is that notion needs to be balanced with some sort of risk profile then to to determine because we can't we obviously don't want to throw away everything because especially immediate data has has tremendous value. We may not want to hold on to everything forever because the more data out there, potentially more risk. Do you see older data specifically at a higher risk or different risk than, than, than current data?
1: Depends entirely on what, what one was collecting, right? Like if you, for instance, uh, imagine you're, you're, you, you run a tax, um, analysis software where people can do their taxes online. You probably got some pretty sensitive data, and the question is, well, do you need to keep it around? Is there any purpose to it? Well, there might be a purpose in the future because then we can see the changing patterns of taxation and tax law or how people do their taxes over the years and serve them better. Okay, well, is there true value in that? Can we predict that value in that? And is it worth there for keeping that data around for a long time? Or are there alternative ways in which we could store that data where the liability of the data loss becomes – uh, uh, mitigated or minimized right there's uh, and there certainly are ways to approach that but I think more even than that Brian is what, I, what I'm saying is um, very few organizations that I have helped over the years have taken a hard look or a deliberate look at the data that they're keeping from a perspective of liability right like the the, the, the calculation always seems to be data by itself could be valuable in the future. We could do something meaningful with it at some point. It doesn't cost us very much money at all. The store it, manage to it, back it up, and therefore we'll just keep it until we figure out what we want to do with it. And I think that's a false premise. And that's really what I'm arguing we should, well, we should push back against.
0: Against the notion of save everything because one day it could be worth, worth something, right? I yeah. think I, I, I had that notion in... Uh, the '80s, when I had uh, baseball card sets, and it turns out that uh, upon cleaning my room many years after my departure from my home, uh, my mom discovered these, and they ended up going in the recycle bin. I mean, they, <laughs> they they we held on to the the data forever, and it turns out it was probably worth less in the end than the uh, uh, than than the cards, the stock that they were printed on. Um, so what's you're, you're advocating good hygiene for data if I'm going to hold on to data then what what's your argument there that that it should be encrypted or, or how how else would you secure the data well
1: at least be deliberate about it right so I think I think the, the, the point about the baseball cards that you're raising there is that the baseball card well what's the liability of the baseball card becoming exposed well not very much right that's in, in your particular scenario and hence my basement is full of boxes of stuff that I could maybe one day use in the kitchen, but the cost isn't very high. Uh Um, The, the, you know, data that is kept um, has a hidden cost associated with it that a lot of people don't realize. Now, I'm going to give you sort of the example, right, because I think it drives towards the answer you are seeking. At some point, I was part of an organization, and that organization was was migrating from an on-premise SharePoint to an in-the-cloud SharePoint. And you you go to an in-the-cloud SharePoint, you get all of a sudden a lot of uh, statistics about your data. Now, this organization, about 800 people working there, and I I saw that we had over 1.5 million office documents on the SharePoint. And I'm thinking to myself, I said, well... Yeah, that's about two thousand documents or something per person that works here and it's probably been produced over the last 20 years nobody's ever going to go through this data and take a good look at it wow. now power of the cloud right you can type in any search query and you can
0: it was amazing
1: the kind of personal and, and hr sensitive things that were to be found with just simple search queries there inside that organization right and it's you know it it, it gets to this point of okay well the data is kept Well, why well you know there might be important information about like a customer in there there might be important information about an engineering process or, or data that we we really should keep because you know whatever reason because we don't know what the potential future loss is if i get rid of the data you decide to keep it but in doing so well, nobody's really busy taking care of that data. And, and I know a lot of organizations now are talking about chief data officers and bringing people on that are responsible for the data, but if you really take a close look at their job titles, or their, sorry, their job descriptions, their job description is get more value from the data we collect and figure <laughs> out other data to collect, right? Like it's never figure out if we should be keeping the stuff that we're already having
0: Wait. What you're describing, the, the deliberate nature of of looking at and, and managing your data and then figuring out how to secure it, whether it's encryption or whatever else, it's really hard and time-consuming. So there was a company called Data Gravity uh, out of Nashua, New Hampshire, that spun—it uh, didn't spin out of it. It was this, uh, a lot of the same team that was involved in Equalogic way back when. Anyway, it was a, a NAS, basically— but hardware-wise, nothing special. What they had was a software layer on top that would help organizations um, scan their folders and and say, am I exposing a social security number in any of these? Mm-hmm. So it could go into an Excel uh, table, crack it open, look at all the content, and based on whatever policies you have in place, would report back Um you know, this word or this format or this thing that looks like a phone number or whatever was found in these documents and and shouldn't be. It's a violation of, of our legal uh, policies or it's in, it's in violation of uh, some sort of sovereignty. Is this being stored in Spain when it can only be stored in Portugal or something? So that company was one of the few from a storage perspective to really go after this and it didn't work out and <laughs> and and i'm not even sure you know what else is in the market that to help companies do that but i back where i started is that's like a compliance activity that's it's still not what you're talking about in terms of a holistic data approach but even that even that is really really hard to look for things that you know to be a violation and then to remediate it, if you find Social Security numbers in your data, because really, what's to stop a person? We're our own worst enemies. A, a salesperson who puts a table together and collects this information, not knowingly doing anything wrong, but but violating some sort of some sort of uh, policies, that gets out there into the the corporate storage, and now now we've got a problem.
1: Yeah, but no, you're I mean, right
0: it's hard. How do we, so how do we get people to take on that hard challenge?
1: I think that's, I think that's right. And I mean, it, right now, I think that you, me just raising this point as, look, people are going to start thinking about it is mostly a point of awareness raising, because you're right. It's really, really hard to do something about it. I, I just gave you an example of 1.5 million uh, office documents. What What does one do right? Like, you know, David, data gravity, yeah. I'm actually familiar with that company, right? So it's it's funny, you should raise it a similar technique, of course, was used by the data loss prevention companies, probably in the, you know, early 2000s, where you scan through documents um, that are on the wire, and you see if there are certain compliance violations, right, and that helps you pick some of that up. But really, if you want to do this, right, it gets down to, well, what you're asking for is a data a complete data inventory and classification and subsequently a risk analysis of it right and it is that is next to impossible because it's not just documents because data lives in databases the data lives in you know in in backups right archives data lives in in sharepoint sites right data lives in in data lakes you know whatever structure they may you know data mud puddles really is what starts to end up happening half the time um the the that's basically boiling the ocean right but if we if we looked at um at what could be done right like you have to uh, um optimize sort of like where you're going to have the biggest gains in this in uh first right so you can't simply be like well we're going to take every single bit of data at once right so if i was to to come forward with some idea about how we might approach that it starts all out with well, the person who's responsible for that data right that's the number one place and so when we talk about a chief data officer that should then be if that role it does exist in your enterprise that shouldn't be yeah you know we we would like to get more value from our data so we got a data scientist He's the chief data officer and that's that right like so mm-hmm. let's let's start out with someone who understands risk in organization because those people tend to understand value as well often and then Give that a little bit of teeth right allow a person like that to create policy and when you're talking about creating policy right like a very good step two is can you even come up with a process by which you associate a risk cost with a piece of data and, and what i mean by that right is that um not to go and do every piece of data but could you come up with a formula that simply says well here i've got social security numbers i got credit cards i've got customer i got emails that were sent between workers emails with customers how do you come on the process to say what is the risk cost what is the liability associated with the loss of that data and that's going to fall into those categories you were talking about earlier namely is there a compliance violation right is this data by law you know pci or hipaa um, mm-hmm. uh, compliant must it be kept secret is it a reputational loss is there a financial information or is there there a fraud you know, uh, could one commit fraud with this data? Is there an ability to? Uh, right? Is is it uh, uh, classified information, right? Especially for for government organizations and those working with them, right? So you can come up with sort of a tiering system of sort of what the liability in the data is, and sort of start to assign a process to that. And then step number three, right, is is think of a ju- uh, a risk justification um, a decision process based on that risk cost. Again, I'm not saying apply these processes uh, far and wide. Think through how one would build them. Because once you sort of got that template, now you can start to think about where would be a starting point to do that. What do we do with old data? If we really don't think we want to throw it away, how do we how do we how do we take the fangs out of it, right? Like cuz there's ways to deal with data that does not necessarily mean you're throwing it away, but that significantly reduces the liability in that, right? And so, to, you know, if you go through these sort of three steps that I just kind of made up, right? Um, one thing you are doing is you are being deliberate about what data you're keeping, how you're going to deal with it, and what the, what the rest of the organization might be. And you know, you'd be surprised how far you get, I think.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you you talked about one spectrum of your uh, your your chief data officer role being a data scientist. Clearly, that's probably not the, the best person. Uh, but man, it sure sounds like a legal operation, and I'm not sure that's the right answer either. I mean, certainly consultation from from legal would be valuable. But anytime they make the rules, I feel like they'd probably lean more towards hanging on to data than getting rid of it because they're more paranoid than the data scientist guy. Um, But, uh, you know, I say delete, it doesn't necessarily have to be delete. You're also kind of lumping in security as part of that message too.
1: Yeah, I think, I think certainly. And there's also, um, right, there's also a way, right. So obviously security and encryption. Okay, well, then there is access control, and there's auditing with access control, right? So these are standard cybersecurity processes, right? Identity access control processes that one ought to follow. A policy of what to do with, um, with uh, older data, or not currently in use data is not hard to create, right? And it's, it's you know, we already have that for, uh, for uh, shredding hard drives and things mm-hmm. like that, shredding paper, destroying hard drives. If these things exist, Okay, what do we do with data if it's if it's in the cloud? Do we just keep moving it? You know, just do so we keep holding onto it? Do we keep backing it up?
0: Yeah, that's what Amazon it... wants you to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but it may very well be possible, right? Like we can back it up, we can encrypt it, then we can we can store the key with you know stored with the legal department. I don't care, but give it an escrow and simply say we don't think we're going to use this data anymore. It was part of a project that was shut down, but because there might have been some value in there, we're not ready to let go. So let's encrypt this and. Let's essentially um, uh, diffuse the data, if you will. And and by the way, there's you know that can go one step further, right? Like there's there's all manner of, of, of processes around you know like the, the zero trust proofs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this these may be techniques you've heard of, right? Like a, mm-hmm. a, tr- a classical problem is you know when you're in a room with all your friends, how do you figure out what the average salary is that all your friends make without anyone telling their salary to anyone else in the group? It's possible to compute that you know without having one person who knows the salary of anyone else, right like there's there's processes to work with data in a way in which the data stays somewhat private And there's a number of startups in that area as well right So there's even a way to sort of think about um, if we do have very sensitive data, is there some things we can do to you know possibly anonymize it, possibly, um, uh, split it up in, in such a way that it's no longer personally identifiable or harmful, but it still would have almost the exact same value to us, right? It gets very creative to sort of what 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 a chief data officer might be able to do with things like that. Uh, you know, anything short of throwing it away or just encrypt it.
0: Well, you you start talking about the cloud and kind of growing forever, right? Because that's what they want to do. That's what they are doing. I mean, pretty clearly, right? is the more bits under management, the more revenue and so on. Uh, You know, we talk a lot about cloud, about the the hardest part is to get the data back out and it's not necessarily relevant to this part of the conversation, but uh, the other big push is around environmental concerns if we continue to store things that aren't worthwhile, forgetting about the risk, just aren't worthwhile for whatever reason, it's not a lot for a couple terabytes of data, but in aggregate, it starts to get pretty big and we've got to spin up data centers and we've got to you know, have equipment on or at least accessible, even if it's a, a, on a tape drive somewhere, it still has to reside somewhere and, and be managed and maintained and cooled and whatever. So there, it's not nothing. And for all these organizations with um, green initiatives that are range from publicity to reality, you know, that. That seems like another angle to to look at this. To say just because we can and we can continue to get it for a penny a gig or whatever the number is, uh, is that consistent with our with our other corporate initiatives too, right? Including ESG and you know whatever else.
1: All right. So that's an angle I hadn't even thought about. I like it. And the the question back to you would then be, what is the um, what is the energy cost per? terabyte, or is there like a, does anyone, I, has anyone ever I'm, I'm sure.
0: Or? I'm sure. Because if you look at um, like the open compute project of which uh, Meta and Azure and others are involved in, I mean, they're regularly talking about the power efficiency of their data centers and, you know, how they, how they get there and cram all your useless Facebook photos into, (laughs) into a small, smallest footprint possible. But I mean, you you talked about social somewhere along the way here. And that's one of the, the big ones, right? Is that we've got a Facebook account or an Instagram account and we post in, in the videos or TikTok, all of this content that atrophies over time. Like the photo I took 10 years ago and posted it, the only person that's relevant to anymore is probably me. I mean, you don't care, but children hardly care, <laughs> then it's a picture of them, you know? And so do, do we delete parts of the early internet that that documented all of these uh, via through all, all these social media sites? I mean, are the early MySpace pages still in existence? And, and if they are, should they be? I mean, it's a... Uh, it is a fundamental question of data, and maybe you know, we're, we're morphing this conversation too far. But is there a greater philosophical, you know, reason why why we shouldn't be hanging on to all of this stuff?
1: You know, I, Brian, this is you took this in a really interesting direction, and I'm I'm actually smiling <laughs> because it gets to, but right, it gets to one of those wonderful sort of party conversations if you're standing around with a few friends, right? Like, you know should the internet start to forget some things because um when we grew up there was no internet and you know you things were forgotten today right what do we teach our children be extremely careful what you put on the internet because when i hire a person the first thing i do is i go through their linkedin and their instagrams their facebooks and their twitters to try to figure out what kind of person this is right and you had different ideas 15 years ago than you do today right people people change right and so that stays with you all your life right so you tell your children be super careful what you do on the internet don't say too many crazy things on facebook right it's really the thing you're trying to tell them what you're driving to is is taking it one step further right like if um if forgetting things is actually a very useful function otherwise humans wouldn't be forgetting things we remember everything Right, mm-hmm. I don't think there's necessarily an inherent limitation there. It's just not worth remembering things that are a long time ago, and therefore we don't have even bigger heads that can remember even more things. Right, <laughs> like there's a right. <laughs> should yeah, should the internet know, be the
0: same gigantic way? heads? Okay, yeah. I, should the internet forget? I, I mean, I think about what we do in in the storage world. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a couple things sitting around me. A NAS, for instance um are widely popular because people can put them in their basement throw a couple hard drives in there and now store their family memory memories forever and and that's fine and there's a use for that and you hand it down to the generations just like every now and then um uh kevin the our lab guy just digitized a bunch of old family eight millimeter and and does the internet care? No, but his family does probably, and, and wants that that memory for forever and ever. But we've most people have abdicated that responsibility of storage to the social media companies or to a Google Drive or whatever that's free or low cost. So there is an interesting dynamic there. I, I click the accept the terms button, but I don't know what the actual guarantees or SLAs are from, from those services, probably none would be my guess. But at the same time, if if uh, Meta said, we're deleting everything prior to 2010, then there'd be some sort of backlash against that too. But it is an interesting conversation about, in the corporate world, I think those organizations largely understand that that they have data, they're creating data, they generally need to protect it and back it up. Where they are in that spectrum of how good they are is, is Probably um, uh, pretty wildly diverse, but on the end user, on the on the individual side, uh, we're we're just putting it out there and kind of hoping for the best. Uh, so the dynamics are, I suppose, are a little bit different for most people.
1: Yeah, I would say I would say there's sort of two things to, to to think about there. Number one is you are right. Um, there is a reason that that my family photographs are also on a NAS and that NAS gets backed up and that backup is offsite, right? Because there's an enormous amount of inherent value to the photographs of my, my children when they were young, right? Like I, I, I want to never forget that. Um, the, the, the point you make about giving that to, um, to a SAS provider to safe keep that's, that opens up another discussion, right? Because it opens up the discussion, not just of, well, are they going to delete all your Instagram photographs that are more than a decade old? Because okay. Yeah. You know, pitchforks come out, but maybe you can download them before they do that. And you know, sure. you've got yeah. warrant, and right. So there's that's a way around it. The, 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 the counterpoint to that is the bigger worry that I have about, um, okay, you clicked through that SLA that said, we will, not sell your photographs we will not use your photographs for any other purposes we will you know etc etc it's okay i trust that but right right now we're going through a climate of you know the tech industry is 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 getting squeezed a bit and decisions have to be made and without a doubt companies get acquired right we saw this with Roomba right um perhaps the acquirer has a lot less ethics around what they want to do with the photographs or the data that you stored there. And you know, now that is no longer in your control, right? So that's sort of the, the counterpoint to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and those guys certainly you know it's funny that so a lot of the risk is uh, in in any data now is being targeted through backups. So you know, spent a lot of time with Veeam or any of the backup provider of your choice. They'll all say the same thing: that that the security attacks in organizations are going after the backups because once you control that, now now you have you've got no ammo. You've got to pay the pay the ransom and hope for the best. Um, but still. <laughs> backups are, are a big problem, and I'm laughing to myself because this came up at the end of last year. If you look at the cloud service providers, they're starting to say, in some cases, maybe quietly, that you don't need to back up. And you know, the first question is, that's bizarre, because that's counter to you know everything the storage industry has been saying since day zero, really. Uh, I mean, you talked about even in your case the three-two-one of you know three copies, uh, two media, one offsite. You know, you're you're close to that, um, but the cloud argument is well, we've never never had a loss, and which is uh, probably not entirely true. But resiliency, I suppose, on its face, does not make for data protection. Uh, entirely, and I don't even know why I started going down that road, but it's it's uh, it, it when we start thinking about cloud, is it's just different. And to your point, if that company gets acquired, or goes under, or whatever, or ha- or does have a material data failure, um, I mean, in some ways, I guess it's contrary to your your notion of we should be doing less. It might encourage people to do have more copies, more places. And create, you know, a, a bigger headache. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a it's a difficult question.
1: Well, I think it's what you now what we're now doing is we're splitting it, right? So, if there is data that you really want to keep, then the cloud is a fantastic place to stick it. You can still do three, two, one because the cloud is one medium and it's also your offsite potentially, right? So, you can the philosophy extends, and without a doubt, you've talked to many people about that already. This is data I want to keep. I have to make choices right do i want to encrypt it well yeah probably where who, who do i want to have access to the keys right that's um that, does my um uh, uh the provider of my cell phone get to have the keys to that data or should i not um the data that i put there is there is there a way to um to demilitarize it if you will right can i if this data for instance about customers or patients or or financial information can i do something with it in such a way that it is less harmful if it was ever exposed, right? But right. still equally valuable to me. That's data I want to keep. The, s- the second question, which is completely separate from that, is, which is how we really got this discussion started. Is you know what is the- what data really shouldn't we be keeping anymore? Because the risk and the liability is so much bigger than the potential future gain we we can see, you know, ahead of us, right? And that data doesn't need to go to the cloud and it doesn't need to go to the backup. In fact, it probably will stick around on a backup where it's just as vulnerable for exposure. But like, that's a process question. Right? So I think that's where that that splits down where you um, were you to keep it.
0: So we talked about backups. We talked about uh, keeping everything maybe is not a great idea. What are the other things that worry you? I, I've been um, thinking a little more lately and when you were talking before about some of the layoffs thinking about access to data uh, permissions to data even orphan data so if i'm at an organization creating a bunch of whatever or i have you know i'm an application guy that has written an application that's going out and doing some sort of task for the organization once i'm gone who's monitoring who's checking my folders on, on the corporate intranet or, or you know, licensed from, from Google or AWS. And, and also the, the, the applications. I mean, you'd like to think someone's really actively managing those and making sure you'd mentioned API calls before that either we're not exposing our own API or the APIs we're consuming. I mean, there's just so much there that as you start to peel it back starts to get, I think, maybe even a little bit scarier as you think of all the ways you could get hurt. Um, but orphan data, like I said, is, is a big one, uh, copy data, uh, you know, having multiple copies of things you know, that, that you're managing is, is problematic, not for the reasons, not security so much, but just footprint, you know, just, just raw footprint. Is there, is there anything else that you're worried about or do any of these in your opinion, provide a good starting point to, to come after this, this problem? Like... Is there an easy button somewhere to to mitigate these things?
1: Well, never really is, is there? I I suppose not. (laughs) I think one one place I would... um, One area we we should talk about is the the externalized cost of the benefit of the computing industry that we have um, been benefiting from, right? Like, pretty much any great advancement in... Uh, that mankind has ever had ended up having some drawback we did not foresee at the time right like we, oh absolutely you know, yeah at some point the surgeon general thought that smoking was a great way to relax right and then we discover what it does right so um you know probably the same thing is happening with with um the fossil fuel burning right like we we can see that's like oh okay maybe there was a drawback to um to doing that and i think that Perhaps we haven't quite seen the drawback of a storage medium that can remember everything forever, and is actually pretty good at it, right? Like losing data is actually the the exception, right? That we we get mad about. Um, I think that that what you're talking about is perhaps uh, uh, tipping the veil on this and this externalized cost, right? This unintended side effect, right? Like, oh boy, I mean. You know it can get pretty scary out there if you think about it because I, I did mention API calls. We're seeing some great API security companies pop up today, but it's just scratching the surface of what needs to be done. You know myself, you know i've I've led a number of data science teams over the years, and data science teams are generally you know consistent of um, uh, of of developers, people that write code or uh, use tools that do data processing and are extremely creative in doing so. and And, you know, especially having been in cybersecurity space, I'm very cognizant of this, right? So what ends up happening is, you know, application developers are able to collect a lot of data that moves through the system, right? And sometimes it's just for debugging. This user logged in with this password has this social security number and this credit card for this address, right? I'm just making sure it's debugged so that the application works, right? And then that gets written to a log and then it's forgotten to turn off or it was written to a log and not encrypted. And then... You know, that person is like, oh, yeah, it's on my long list of to-dos. So i got to do something about it. Then that person leaves the organization. Whoever cleans up their data when they leave the organization, right? I've seen of all the people that have that have worked for me over the years, one or two. You know, it's like it's not the common case, right? Like it's not what people do. And I think sort of the scope and magnitude, um, right, it's not even the, the, the known unknowns. It's the unknown unknowns that, that I haven't even thought about where, where I think that this can you know that, that should keep one awake at night if you think about it.
0: Yeah, well you're doing a good job of making everyone scared of, <laughs> of, of having <laughs> that wasn't my intention. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean the conversation's usually around security and protection, which everyone you know should have and, and do, and, and that's great to have a backup and you know move your data off site, whatever. Um, but I think the industry at large doesn't generally have this conversation, so that that's why I thought it would be interesting. And literally, the like I said, it was um, it was that that event six or seven years ago was the last time when I heard someone really banging the drum about about getting rid of data for security concerns. Uh, man, it, it, you're swimming a little upstream, though I think because of so much pressure and fear by organizations that they like you said that that there may be a legitimate or perhaps it's a, a fallacy to think that I can get something out of this one day uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I just don't know how we educate and and define that data officer role so that you get to the point where it's okay to to get rid of some things
1: well and I think that's you know you're 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 right about it right this this thinking is a little bit further ahead and this is why this is why i thought it'd be enjoyable to to get on your your podcast and just debate this issue with you because there really is no immediate like solution here but there is certainly some thinking right that should that might be great for our industry to start having around around data as a liability so Really, I feel like we've explored it pretty far. Up, to be honest, I think we, we took a turn, and
0: I thought we would. <laughs> we got into a green greenness of hard drives and, and right. tape. Well, you know, it it it's a worthwhile conversation, and it just it may require a role that, that doesn't fully exist yet. And I'd be interested, and maybe someone someone will pop up after we we post this. I would be interested. To hear journeys from organizations that have done this, that have that have come up, set aside the time to declare their their data their their data policies and say, you know, for all this file data that we've created, you know, sales pitches and slide decks. Slide decks are the worst. I got I got a deck from somebody the other day, two hundred and eighty slides or something insane, and they all have graphics and they all have colors. So each one of those is a a couple meg times 280, it was so big that they, it, of course, it was shared on a, on a cloud service. Um, but in a large organization, how many of those slide decks are in any Fortune 2000 or Global 2000 or whatever? It, insane numbers. I mean, I'm, the Word docs at least are, are pretty lightweight if they don't have images and embedded video and whatnot, but the PowerPoints are, are insane.
1: And the amount of duplication that happens in them, because you, of course, you copy a lot of slides from the guy that came before you, and right. then now your PowerPoint is two hundred and eighty megabytes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, t- too many, too many slides. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think just putting some thought to it, even if you don't do anything, having the conversation in an organization of of saying. We recognize that this is a concern. I think maybe even that is uh, obviously doesn't solve the problem, but recognizing the concern is a good starting point, wouldn't you think?
1: Yeah, I would say, I mean, like generally, right, I would say especially if you if you do ha- have a data, you know a person responsible for the data in the organization, is there a thinking process that could that could go around classifying? risk cost, right? What's the cost of the liability, right? Never mind right? that the revenue potential of the benefit, like what is the, the risk of the liability of that data? And if we were to classify that, and we were able to do a good job at that, what would be the processes and controls and justifications we put around those types of data that we choose to keep versus those that we uh, choose not to, right? I think that this, it's a healthy thought process to go around. It might actually not be so bad.
0: Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds pretty awful to me, but then again, we don't have that much production data. Uh, I wonder too, if, if all the SaaS companies maybe could take this opportunity to, to get out ahead of this and say, you know, if I'm salesforce.com or, or, or something, Hey, organization you don't have to delete anything but here's some best practices or here's some ideas about the types of records and in some sort of timeline and and maybe you know we, we can help you mitigate some of that by by putting that in effect and saying you know all sales deals that you lost that are over 7 years old we can we can once a month we can kind of clear those out those or yeah. Something. yeah 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 so you yeah, know maybe maybe cuz now the world Everything's being consumed as a service now. Even infrastructure on-prem is as a service through uh, Dell Apex or HP GreenLake or whatever the big companies are. Uh, so it will be interesting to see as they consume, as organizations consume more cloud services, more software in the cloud. Does that dynamic change? Uh, you know how how to best handle you know these data. Questions and, and where are the drivers of change to, to really be contemplative and, and come up with with at least understood answers if not the best answers.
1: And I think you know sort of as a as a thought on that, the example of Salesforce is a is a good one, right? The example of SharePoint is a is a bad one, right? Because when we think about SaaS services, SaaS services typically deal with one type or class of data. Right, a financial processing system, a sales processing system, a medical records processing system. Right, like the type of data already sort of there's a set of best practices around that. Whereas, right, like an open document store where it, like anything can be a PowerPoint or everything, you know, it becomes much more, right, becomes much harder. Right, like it's a big bag of data. So I think I think you're right that especially the SaaS companies could could start to form that thinking as part of their sort of you know. Um, their service to their customers.
0: Yeah. Well, look, we're in agreement that organizations need to be thinking about this thing that that whether it's the the chief data officer or a legal function or or some or CTO CIO whoever it is somebody needs to help in that organization have this conversation and and just be thoughtful in in how data is managed and where it goes and how it's kept and, and all that sort of thing and, and that there's still uh, quite a bit of opportunity that backing up data is not sufficient for these types of tasks that we're talking about and um, you can you can expose yourself or reduce your risk based on on some of these decisions so it's a uh, it's a hey, good conversation and I appreciate you coming on and, and doing this and Hopefully, uh, we'll hear both the stories of people that have done really great, and and uh, I mean, perhaps they'll never know if they protected themselves by, by protecting themselves, which is sort of a strange thing. Um, but, uh, but also, you know, if someone hears this and just goes to their, their boss and says, hey, are we doing this? Are we thinking about this? I mean, that would be a fantastic outcome, I think.
1: Would be a great outcome. And it's been a real pleasure, too, to do this, because the reality is, is I came here to explore these ideas with you. And I feel like I learned a lot. So I think we, I think it was a success for me too.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, you're the doctor. I'm not sure if you learned from me, that, <laughs> we, that we accomplished as much as you think we did.
1: You, you learn by unpacking ideas and, and mulling them over. So how
0: about that? All right, I'll, I'll concede that. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate your time. Absolutely, it was my pleasure.